In Luke chapter 19, verses 45 through to chapter 20, verse 8. Then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the priests, the teachers of the law and the elders, sorry, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. One day, as he was teaching the people in the temple courts and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us, by what authority you are doing these things? They said, who gave you this authority? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves and asked and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, we don't know where it was from. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Let's pray. Father God, we, we pray that you would guide us through your word this morning. We pray that you would help us to hear what you have for us to hear this morning, that we would sit in your presence, that we'd be guided by your Holy Spirit. We pray that our hearts would be convicted and that we would respond to your glory and your holiness. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. If you've ever looked after a small child, and I imagine most of us will have done that at one stage or another, then you'll know that there are lots of things that young children are afraid of. Some things that can hurt them and lots of things that can't. It's fairly common for a young child to be afraid of the vacuum cleaner, for example. When that vacuum cleaner starts up, the sound of all that noise going on I assume, makes them imagine that they could somehow get sucked into that vacuum cleaner. There's no real danger of happening, is there? There's no danger to that child. The vacuum's not going to hurt that child. Another really common one is young children are often afraid of the dark. Just turning off the bedroom light can strike fear into the hearts of many a young child. As adults, we know, at least I hope we know, that there's no reason to be afraid of the dark. Nothing changes in the room. It's still the same room. All that's happened is that the light's been turned off. But if you've ever tried to convince a young child who's afraid of the dark that it's still safe, well, you'll know that you might as well turn on that nightlight because there's no way they're going to bed without it. There are lots of different things that children are afraid of that can't hurt them. But there are also lots of things that children aren't afraid of that can. If you've ever looked after small children around winter time when we've all got our fires going and or having uh, bonfires and things like that, 
You'll know that there are many occasions when you need to tell a young child that something is hot, that if they don't have a certain amount of fear about that thing, well, they could get burnt. As adults, we're, we're often warning young children that they should fear something is hot, otherwise they could get burnt. But often it isn't until they actually get burnt themselves or have a, a really close call with something that nearly burnt them that they finally fear something as serious as a, a flames of a fire as much as they do the vacuum cleaner or the dark. It's very important to have a healthy fear of things that we need to show greater respect to. We don't have a healthy fear of those things that we need to handle with care, then we could easily get hurt. If, if you've ever used a chainsaw and you still have all your limbs, well, you've either been unusually blessed or you have a healthy fear of that incredibly sharp blade as it spins around on the bar without any form of protection, no guards to keep you safe. All you have to do with a chainsaw is just not pay attention for a moment. Just not be thinking about what you're doing and you could get seriously hurt. A healthy fear of those things that we need to show greater respect to is very important. As adults, we have a healthy fear when it comes to getting burnt by something that's hot. And we hopefully show a healthy fear when it comes to working with dangerous machinery. But having a healthy fear is even more important. In fact, never more important than when it comes to the one who holds all power and authority in heaven and on earth. And in these verses, we're being challenged to reflect on whether we have a healthy fear towards the one who holds our life in this world and our life in eternity in his hands. These verses are challenging us on how seriously we take the privilege of being able to come into the presence of a holy God without being destroyed. And these verses are challenging us to think about how our lives are displaying our fear and respect for the authority and power of our holy God. In the verses we're looking at today, Jesus exerts his authority in the temple of the Lord. And he clears the temple of those who are using it like a marketplace. There's nothing meek or mild about Jesus in these verses. He's neither tame nor safe, but he is good, to borrow from Narnia. As Jesus cleared the temple of the Lord, he was showing his respect for his father's holiness. These people were buying and selling, using the place as a marketplace. They had no fear for the Lord, no respect for God's holiness. To them, it was just a place for them to make a living, just a place where they could earn a few bucks. But as God himself entered the temple, a place that was meant to be set aside as holy to the Lord, Jesus couldn't contain his zeal for his father's holiness. Now, what Jesus did that day was shocking. 
it would have been absolutely shocking. People were driven out of that place in fear. They were terrified. And as Jesus displayed his authority in this way, well, it really upset these Jewish religious leaders. So much, in fact, they began looking for a way to kill Jesus. See, these religious leaders, well, they were afraid of many things, but certainly Jesus was not one of them. They feared the possibility that the people might come to respect Jesus more than them. They feared that they would like Jesus more than their traditions, more than the sacrificial system. As Jesus displayed his authority in the temple of the Lord, the religious leaders were fearing all of the wrong things. They were afraid of losing the respect and admiration of the people, while they themselves had no fear of the one who holds all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. Sadly, these Jewish leaders hadn't recognised the time of the Lord's coming, and so they did not revere or fear Jesus. And so as we look at these verses this morning, we are being encouraged to reflect on how our lives show a healthy fear for the authority and power of our holy God. As this passage begins, Jesus has only just made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where the crowd had been shouting as he made his way in on the colt, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The crowd had believed that Jesus was entering Jerusalem, the holy city, to bring them some incredible victory. But as Jesus drew near and as he saw the holy city in the distance, Instead of prophesying about some great national victory that they'd longed for, Jesus pronounced judgment on his own people. He, judged, he pronounced judgment on those who did not recognise the time of the Lord's coming, those who did not fear Jesus. The crowd believed that the victory that Jesus had come to bring was a victory against Rome the victory that Jesus made possible through his death and resurrection was very different from the victory they wanted to see. But as Jesus made his way into the temple, well, he shocked their expectations all over again. He almost instantly began to drive people out of that place. The people that he was driving out, of course, were those buying and selling, those not showing any fear or respect for the Lord. The crowd thought that Jesus had come to attack Rome, but instead Jesus became, came in and began to attack some of his own people, those who did not fear the Lord. Even more shocking than that, Jesus did this in the temple of the Lord. Jesus declared, it is written, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now, this wasn't the first time 
that Jesus had done this. This is actually the second time that Jesus had cleared the temple of the Lord. At the beginning of his ministry, just after he had turned water into wine, in fact, John's gospel tells us that Jesus went into the temple and began overturning tables and making a whip of cords to drive people out of the temple who weren't showing any kind of fear for the Lord. And now, that was at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but now at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, just days before his crucifixion, Jesus once again clears the temple. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that Jesus entered the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and those selling doves. If anyone in the crowd had come to think of Jesus as only meek and mild, these actions would have quickly changed their perspective of who Jesus is. In fact, if we were watching there, watching these events unfold, we would have been alongside them with our drawers sitting, drawers sitting on the draw floor. We would have been shocked. If you've ever seen somebody in, in a rage come up and flip over a table, you'll know what a violent kind of an action that is, how shocking it is to see that happen. But it wasn't as though Jesus did that once. He did that over and over again. He came in and he, he threw the table of those with the money, money changing money. And then he started overturning the tables of those who were selling doves as well. It wasn't as though Jesus... Did, did it once and then thought that was a bit of an overreaction. This was an extremely shocking event. And as Jesus did this, he fulfilled the prophecy of, of uh, Psalm 69.9 all over again. Zeal for his father's house consumed him. Those who were treating the temple of the Lord as a marketplace no doubt feared many things, but they did not fear the Lord. They did not fear Jesus. And as Jesus displayed this authority in the temple of the Lord, well, he forced those who were taking God's holiness lightly, he forced them out of that place. And once he had cleansed the temple area of this sin, he began to teach in that place daily. Now, you can imagine the religious leaders of the time, well, this was a shocking enough event, a once-off thing. But now Jesus has started to teach in this place as well on a daily basis. These religious leaders saw this as a really big threat. They were afraid of Jesus, but not for the right reasons. They were afraid of losing the respect of the people. His presence and the respect he gained from the crowds and the, the people coming to the temple made these religious leaders so upset that they began to look for a way to kill him. And yet it wasn't fear for the Lord that stopped them from doing so. It was fear of man as they feared what the people might do to them if they laid hands on Jesus. And so rather than giving him the fear and, and respect that he deserves, these leaders began to look for a way to catch him in his words. 
On one of the many occasions where Jesus was teaching in the temple of the Lord, the Jewish religious leaders went up to Jesus and they asked, tell us by what authority you are doing these things. Who gave you this authority? Basically what they were asking Jesus was, what right do you have to come in here and knock over all these tables and drive these people out? And for that matter, what right do you have to come in here and teach as though you have authority to explain and teach God's word? You see, I think they were trying to catch Jesus out in his words. They were trying to trap him so they could force him to leave, so they could accuse him of doing something wrong. Jesus knew they were trying to catch him in his words. So he did the same thing to them. He said, I will ask, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? Now we know from the passage that this it perplexed them. They had no idea how to answer these, this question. If we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us because, we're, because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. They now realised that Jesus had trapped them in their words. They were stuck. There was, there was nothing they could do. All they could do was plead ignorance. So they answered, we don't know where it comes from. To which Jesus replied, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. Those religious leaders thought they were wise. They thought they were the holy ones. But in the presence of God the Son, they were shown to be foolish because they did not fear the one who holds their life and breath in his hands. As Jesus entered the temple of the Lord and cleared it for the second time, he showed his zeal for his Father's holiness. His actions were not what anyone, anyone would have expected. His actions just were absolutely shocking. These are not the actions of someone who is only meek and mild. That's why we need to see what God is teaching us in these verses, that Jesus is not only perfectly holy and good, but he is also judge. These verses are challenging those who trust in Jesus to reflect on whether we have a healthy fear of the authority and power of our holy God, the one who is both saviour and judge. Unless we have a healthy fear of the one who will judge the living and the dead, well, we will find ourselves like those religious leaders, fearing the loss of things that simply cannot save us. Things like our, our reputation, our standing in the community or in different social groups, rather than fearing the one who has the power to save. Without a healthy fear of Jesus, it's easy to fear the loss of traditions or our comfort or the way that we do things. 
more than the consequences of not being in a right relationship with him. Without a healthy fear of Jesus, we can easily begin to think of Jesus as meek and mild, loving him for his mercy and his grace, but being unwilling to accept that he is the judge of all things. If we have a healthy fear of the one who has revealed himself through his word to be both the saviour of those who trust in him and the perfectly righteous, perfectly holy judge of all things, then we do not need to fear anything else apart from Jesus. As zeal for his father's house consumed Jesus, he cleared the temple of the Lord that day. And what's really interesting here is that Jesus was defending a man-made building that he himself had prophesied would soon be destroyed. That same man-made building now lies in ruins. And yet Jesus was so zealous for his father's holiness while it was the place of God's presence. The purpose of the temple was to provide a way for God's people to come into God's presence without being destroyed. But Jesus, through his life, death and resurrection, has superseded the temple. He has made a way for God's people to be in his presence without being destroyed by covering the guilt of our sins by his blood. As Hebrews chapter 9, verses 13 and 14 says, The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death? so that we may serve the living God. Therefore, in Christ is found the greater temple. The only way that anyone can come into God's presence without being destroyed. Jesus is not only the saviour of those who trust in him, he is also the one who will judge the living and the dead. And so he deserves our respect. He is the one who's made our salvation possible, but he is also the one who will come in judgment. He will come to defend the perfect holiness of his Father, of God the Father. We have no right to his mercy. We have no entitlement to be able to come into his presence apart from his grace. So this morning we have been called to reflect on our fear of the authority and power of our holy God. Fear or, or reverence of who he is, of what he's done. Don't get caught up on the, the use of the word fear here. I'm speaking about reverence for the God who is not only our saviour, the one who will come to judge the living and the dead. 
unless we have a healthy reverence for his holiness, a great respect for who he is and what he has done, we won't grasp, grasp the magnitude of how holy our God is. So this morning, may we reverently fear our God and Saviour, trusting his gracious forgiveness and mercy. And may we find our hope in the joy of serving the only one who holds all power and authority, not just in the heavenly realms, but in every areas of our life and our future. Let's come before him and pray. Father God, we confess that we have so often been just like those people in that temple that day. We have so often taken your holiness lightly. We have not shown the proper respect for you because of who you are. Lord, we have seen gatherings that are meant to bring you holiness as, as ways to catch up with people rather than to come into your presence. We've seen your word and, and read it and, and not taken it seriously. We've prayed to you without praying in a way that actually comes before you as one to be respected and honoured. Lord, we are guilty of being just like those people in the temple. Lord, we thank you this morning that in your great mercy, you do not hold those sins against us. You have not driven us away from your way of salvation. So this morning, we pray that you may help us to cling to the hope we have in Christ Jesus, to give you the honour and respect that you deserve that our lives in all areas might glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.